Greetings, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Plan B Success. We have Johanse Salimu today from Niceville, Florida. Johanse, Johanse <laughs> has been, you know, he's he's been he's had some he's had a rough childhood. You know, he's been homeless. He's lived in shelters. He educated himself through the process. He went on to graduate from the United States Air Force Academy, became a commissioned officer, worked in the U.S. Air Force for a while, and then after he came out of it, has been running a nonprofit scientific research organization. Geospatial Q&A is what it's called. Recently, he's also written a book, Underprivileged Overachiever, which is his story, and we'll learn everything about the book in his own words. So welcome, Johanse. Thank you for having me, Eugene. It's really nice. Good. Thank you for having me. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your childhood? So I grew up in Los Angeles, and a lot of what surrounded me was just gangs, drugs, and really bad opportunities that I never really wanted to be a part of. But what surrounds you sort of becomes your reality, and I didn't really know how to break away from that. I, I heard that Education was the way that I was supposed to pull myself away from this community and, and elevate myself and, and prove that, prove that I was worth, uh, so much more than just the circumstances I come from. And it's, you know, I used to tell this story in a sort of watered down version of it. I'd, I'd travel around the country and give speeches to kids in underprivileged communities and whatnot. And I always had in the back of my mind, I'm not really telling them every detail that I need to share with them. I need to share my story in its its full breadth. And it's a lot of it's hard to believe. And that's why I published this book, because I wanted to share the full story. And folks across the world right now, I mean, I got people in New Zealand, Australia, Germany, Argentina, like all around the world who are reading it. And they're coming to the conclusion like, wow, it's that deep. It, it, this is the level of detail. This is the grand story that you're sharing with us. And this is why it's so different. And it's it's shocking. So, you know, one one question that I'm curious about is you've had a rough childhood, but you're still stuck to education. So what, what made you do that? What made you still go to high school, um, you know, graduate, and then even pursue education after that? There's a bit of it that's personality-driven as far as competition and me wanting to feel like the smartest person in the room so I'd have to learn, I'd educate, I'd have to grow. And beyond just that, there's mentors. So there's there's personality who I am, and there's mentors who open those doors of opportunity for me. And just the right people at the right time around me. And that that theme is throughout my entire book of of being at a precipice of a decision to make and having just the right mentor right there to tell me, hey, I want you to make this choice, and I would like for you to progress in this way, but the choice is yours. Mm-hmm. How did the U.S. Air Force uh, happen for you? So I originally saw that in the movie. There was two brothers being compared in this movie, Eagle Eye. And one brother was highly successful and the other one was a failure. And I kept thinking, hey, how am I going to differentiate myself and make myself into this great success? And I said, what if the Air Force Academy is the way to go? What if that's the way to do it? And so I applied. Just like I applied to all the other colleges I wanted to get into, all the Ivy Leagues, all the high-level technical and engineering colleges. And in the end, I decided to go to the Air Force Academy because they embodied everything I wanted to become. It's not just about the degree I get. It's about how much they develop my character. And so I chose the Air Force Academy. And how long were you in the Air Force? 
I was in the Air Force for only about four years. I was a pilot, and then I retired from that, medically retired, and I decided, hey, what, how do I shift from this? All I know is flying, correct? But that just wasn't the case, because I'd, I'd been going around doing speeches on just different platforms, different companies wanting me to come and share my story, and I, I just remember this one time, <laughs> story time. I, I remember going and, and doing a speech, and the CEO pulled me aside afterwards, and all these people were are happy and elated about the speech that I just gave in the story. He's like, thank you for coming because, you know, we were going to have to spend forty, fifty thousand $50,000 to get Chris Gardner from the Pursuit of Happiness. He was going to come do the speech, but now we had you. And we were like, we're going to have this. So I came and did a speech for free. And I was like, this has value to it. So as I transitioned out of the Air Force, out of being a pilot, I decided, hey, I can do this. I can start a company. Well, what kind of company? Well, this is about giving back. This is about telling my story. So I started a nonprofit. And that's my transition to, to doing what I meant to do, to serve my purpose. So to tell us a little bit about geospatial science. Okay, so that's my degree. Mm-hmm. I graduated from the Air Force Academy with my degree in geospatial science, which is big problem solving. And it, it, it encompasses a lot of different information. You can use satellite imagery. You can use personal account data from censuses and whatnot. And what you're trying to do is solve a problem that has people and places related to it. And a, a good firm example is if someone wanted to put a fire station somewhere, you'd have to hire somebody who was really proficient in geospatial science, a geoanalyst who would come in and say, hey, fauna and flora exist in this location, and here's the cost value of if a fire were to persist in this area, and here's how much response time you need for a fire station. They would tell you, they'd, they'd break all that data into problem solving and putting where that fire station should go. And so I, I remember the the plethora of projects that we were able to work on in my degree. And I said, why can't I put this towards helping the community? And my professors told me, well, you know, people who get this type of degree at a high level problem solving, they typically go where the money is and that's finding where the oil is. And I said, well, that's cool. You know, they could make all this big money showing the oil companies where oil with a high probability of finding it is. But can I use the same techniques to solve problems in my community? And that's that's what I'm going after. So now that uh, you've formed uh, the nonprofit, how long has it been since you formed Geospatial Q&A? It's been only a year since I formed the nonprofit. Okay. So talk to us about that. You know, what what does the company really do? Okay. So the company solves uh, small community problems. So I'll give you an example of an event we just did. Uh, was it a month ago? It wasn't even a month ago. So... With the COVID scare and everything going on, a lot of folks in communities that aren't necessarily viewed as very underprivileged, they're afraid to reach out for help sometimes because no one wants to be seen as the person receiving the handout. They always want to be the person giving the handout. And it's like, wait, wait, hold on, hold on. We're, we're trying to build up the community. So I, we did a food drive where we said, hey, we want the entire community to come out and just be, be part of the collective of we want to raise you up and not have the burden of COVID be all upon one person's shoulder. And that's that's part of what the nonprofit does is we see the problems that need to be taken care of that given government is there trying to serve those purposes, but I'm going to lessen the burden of government. I'm going to make sure that people connect and do exactly the help they want to do for others and they just can't see the solution. And I'm, I'm grand, better at understanding how to put that solution to these people. Now, during your high school years, you played football as well, right? Correct. Uh, so uh, I played football and I loved it. I, I pretty much did every activity in high school because 
I had nothing else to do once I left school. Everyone else, you know, you go home, but I was, I was homeless. So I was captain of the track team, the robotics club, the football team. Uh, I ran academic decathlon. I did everything that had to do with not going home because I didn't want to go back to the shelter and get caught up in any, any little things going on there. And, uh, football was a really good outlet for any sort of aggression I had. And I continued that into college. I, I was on the football team at the Air Force Academy. And <laughs> it's going to sound funny to say, but college football is just not as aggressive as high school football. And I ended up quitting the football team in college to join the boxing team. And I became an all-American heavyweight boxer in college. Awesome. Awesome. Talk to us about your book, yeah, Underprivileged Overachiever. Okay. <laughs> um, so, talk to you guys about my book. I like it, and I didn't know how the level of influence it would have on so many other people. Because it's raw, it's real, it's honest. I mean, it's honest to the point where I got my first one-star review uh, two, three days ago. And usually everyone's five-star, and I can't believe, and this is why the LA Times put this on it. And I'm like, yeah, well, it is that great, but what does what a one-star review look like? And I finally got my first one. And it comes from this girl in Mexico who read my book. And she even said it. it was too much for her. She was not ready for the level of honesty that was inside that book, that I would drag you through every story, the the meaning of it, the the raw emotion of making those choices, whether you wanted to join this gang or do this drug or be just what opportunities you wanted to knock on. And, and that's what she thought she was going to see. She thought, I've seen this before. I, I know what kind of story he's trying to tell. But she didn't know that what, this is almost going to be a spoiler. I'm going to try to tell it without doing too much of a spoiler. But she didn't know that I would dive into some of the true nefarious characters in my past. And I, I pulled her through the story of when I was raped by a transgender person. And she wasn't ready for it. And she gave the book a one star. She said, how... Can you put something like this in a book? It made me angry. It made me cry. And yeah, I, I know that level of reaction is going to come from the story, not just because I think I'm a great writer, but I'm sharing to, to these people a level that they've never experienced a story. They've never seen... It, it almost feels like fiction. But just in case they really do doubt it, the police write report is right there in the book staring them in the face. And what do you, what kind of uh, response do you get when you talk about it with, uh, you know, for instance, high school kids? I get, I get an audience that leans in and just, they want to hear every detail. I remember I was doing an event in Dallas a few years back and I was talking about my story and some of the, the teachers, they didn't really think their students would be as engaged. And they say, hey, you know, we have speakers who come and sometimes the kids will act up in this way and that way. And I'm like, hey, 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 I'm a really good dynamic speaker. And I relate to these folks because of my authenticity. And I, I don't believe any of them will be distracted while I speak. And as I'm going through my story and I'm telling them truly how it was for me, uh, the ups, the downs, I don't paint myself as the hero. I, I don't give them only the good, the great, and then and then I made it here. No, I'm going to tell them exactly what I was going through. The thoughts, the highs, the lows. And they, usually when I speak to high school students, uh, I gain more mentees, more people who say, hey, can you be my mentor? And I'm, 
Of course, I, that's exactly what I'm here for. I'm here to inspire a younger generation. So I know that you're doing a series with this book, right? You have other books coming out uh, in the same correct. series? This is correct. Uh, so tell, tell us about that. So Underprivileged Overachiever, as I started it, I said, hey, I am, I am not going to be able to put the entire story into just one book. Because like you were saying, you were going into details about, hey, when I was at the Air Force Academy or when I was in the military as a pilot. And I said, there's so many more lessons that I want to share. But I wasn't ready to just share that in one book. It'd be too long. I, I know how, how we can condense stories and we make them more palatable. And this first book is just the, the beginning. It's me in high school. And as I present that story, I've had so many folks who've read it. And they're like, I wasn't ready to finish reading. I'm, I want to continue. I want to read more into the story and figure out your development, how you became this man. And I want to share it. And it'll be more, multiple books that I have to write. In your own terms, you know, what's it that you're looking to achieve with these books? And, you know, what would be that one thing that would mean that you have achieved what you set out to do? I want to do what someone else has already done for me. And the specific, if I had to narrow it down, Chris Gardner has this movie, The Pursuit of Happiness. And I remember when I saw it when I was really young, I said, it's homeless. And he's going through all these trials and tribulations and becoming a better man. And he's understanding that he's smart and he can knock on these doors of opportunity. And I said, this is a real life example. This is something that actually happened. Oh, I, I can apply some of these things to my own life. I can, I can do these things because they're not brand new. This is not something that is impossible. So what Chris Gardner did for me with telling his story is what I want to do for so many more people. So with your, with your nonprofit, you know, you were pursuing, you know, educational, scientific and charitable, you know, pursuits. So what's your vision for the company? <laughs> I'll tell you the grand vision for the company. It's to be the biggest catalyst for change in our world. And I said, how? How are you the biggest? What does that mean to you? I mean, I'm going to be building churches, schools. I'm going to be building summer youth camps where I bring youth in and teach them leadership skills that they're not necessarily going to be able to learn in their regular school environments. And I'm going to be the catalyst in their life for how they see themselves in the future. Not just from learning about my story. I'm going to give them practical exercises on how to do that. And I'm going to be building their mentors as well. Because a lot of people are like, well, but the money is not there and educating the kids. And well, the money's going to be spent there. And if I have to make that by building the mentors through going to different companies and giving them the elevation through my motivational speak and my just different workshops I want to do with them, consulting and whatnot, I'm going to build their mentors and then I'm going to facilitate the mentorship through a lot of the different programs I'm going to have out there. When you reflect back on your own life, you know, what would you look at? turning point kind of events in your own life, you know, uh, events where if you probably thought that you were at the lowest you could ever possibly be and events where, you know, it turned around and you moved in the direction that you wanted it to. I would talk about my denial. When I was very young, I denied the fact that I was homeless. If you told me I was homeless, I'd tell you, you're full of it. That's not true. I remember my mom, she'd be in and out of uh, mental institutions and she wasn't there to take care of us and my little brother and I we'd be scraping together whatever pennies we could find on the street to find a meal and we weren't the most hygienic we, we our clothes stunk we couldn't really take care of ourselves at such a young age I remember our counselors 
our school counselors saying things like, you know, are you, are you homeless? And, um, I don't know the read. Gotcha. But, um, I remember, um, I remember my counselors coming at me saying, are you homeless? <laughs> I was like, well, no, I'm not homeless. Why would you, why would you put that on me? Like, that was such a negative connotation. I don't want to hear that. And when I finally was able to accept where I was, I was able to see where I was going. Because I was not going to stay down there at the bottom. I wasn't. I knew what the bottom looked like. Firmly had a firm grasp on what it meant to be hungry, to starve to the point of tears in your eyes. And I saw an avenue to steal from grocery stores and just try to, you know, take what I, what I needed. And it, it didn't vibe well with my character, with who I was supposed to become. I said, this isn't the way to do it. I've got to ask for help. Ah, and I hate asking for help. There's the, at least back then, because I didn't want to even admit that I needed it. And now, that catalyst, that change in my life is I was, I'd become okay with asking for help only because of that phrase. It said, pay it forward. Pay it forward. I, I got nothing right now. And here you are giving me everything, giving me a meal, giving me mentorship. So there's this giant burden on my shoulders that I have to pay forward. When you talk about mentorship, did you find them? Did they, did you have a, an experience where they came to you or you went out seeking? I seek mentors. That's one of my, that's one of my best talents. <laughs> I seek and retain mentors like no other. And it's, it's not that I'm looking for everything from one mentor. I see folks' talents and I say, that's who's going to foster this piece of my character, that piece of my character. And I just speak to them. Uh, <laughs> just one-on-one -on -one type of, hey, I think you're good at this. Can you mentor me in that? And they've clung to me. People love to mentor folks and, and give you their gifts and foster the gifts in you. But you got to ask. And I've never been shy about asking my mentors about what I need from them, what I need them to foster in me. And I want to put that same ability that I have in, in, in gaining mentors into not just the folks that I want to make them better mentors, but into the young folks that I want them to seek more mentorship. Hansa, you have a very inspiring story, you know, the kind of uh, challenges that you had in your own life and what you overcame and got to the point where you are, where you're out there trying to help so many more. That's truly, truly inspiring. Uh, what's the good place for people to find you and uh, your book? Okay, so my book is everywhere. <laughs> and I mean everywhere. Like Barnes and Noble, Amazon. Um, there's like this weird store in Australia where it's there too. Like it's, it's everywhere in the world right now. And to find me on social media is it's usually at YA Selena. So Facebook, Twitter, all that. And I'm sure from all those platforms, those social media platforms, you can link to my website, which is still under vast constructions with different teams. But when I say the future of us building these youth camps and, and the churches, the schools, everything I want to do for the communities to to improve them and to give them a leg up. It's all coming to fruition. And, and folks who are listening to this story now, they're really there at the beginning. <laughs> so it's a privilege talking to you, Johansa. Uh, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing your story with us. But before I let you go, 
one takeaway for the listeners from from your experiences, anything that you'd like to share? Is there one thing that I would like to share? Um, I'm 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 stopping on the message of being genuine to your purpose, and I know that my purpose is to do exactly as I am right now to serve others. And that's why my energy comes across is, is just so powerful. So I, I'd say be genuine to, even to all entrepreneurs, anyone who's listening to the podcast, be, be genuine to your purpose. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for sharing your story. And I'm sure the listeners will check in on your book and on the work that you're doing. We hope to keep in touch. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you liked that episode and are enjoying all the episodes in Plan B Success Podcast. I'd encourage you to go subscribe on your favorite platform, whether it's any listening platform or YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. Make sure you subscribe so that you enjoy this content and extract from it what serves you best, what benefits you in your own life, personal, professional, business, whatever it might be. PlanB.Live is the website where you can go in order to find any episode that you would like to listen to. Three times a week, we release episodes, the first being an inspiring interview with someone who's done it, been there, done that, and can inspire you to go after what you want to achieve. Every Monday, that's the episode that gets released. And then, on Wednesdays and Fridays, We pick a topic and we talk about it in order to benefit you in your personal and professional life. At the same time, if you're someone who's interested in learning more about these concepts, if you're someone who's interested in podcasting as well, go check out planbsuccessschool.thinkific.com. That's where all the online courses are. You can learn and benefit from them there as well. There's a bunch of free courses. There's a bunch of paid courses. Start with the free ones. Get to learn what you aspire to learn. And if you want to delve deeper, then you can sign up for the other ones. Thank you very much. Mm